Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. I am uh, having a pretty good week, I guess. There's lots doing lots of stuff. I think last week uh, we had talked about. Well, we had a little uh, the rare short episode, um, and I, afterwards I had, I had mentioned that I think I need to, to keep things. Uh, a track of things that I do during the week on a notepad or something. And I hadn't done that yet. I hadn't, I need to actually go out and buy one of those old like detective notepads that flip up, you know, the old school you, 1970s thing. You could just make notes um, on your phone. You know that. Uh, I, I could do that, but that's, you know, not as tactile. You know, there's a lot of things said about tactile stuff. So anyway, this week I hadn't done that, but I was also very conscious of the fact that like, I want to make sure that I remember things to talk about. Uh, so it has been a good week. And I think, Part of that was was the show here was that I got to uh, when I was doing such things intentionally with purpose like oh you know what I've got a little time tonight what I'm going to do you, you figure out what you're doing with the night and I'm like oh you know what I need to do something new or different so I can we can have a discussion on the show uh, and talk about it I, I so yeah I think this week has been pretty good overall because I uh, of that very particular thing I intentionally set about exploring some new things not a ton. But uh, and held some old, but yeah, it's been a good week. How about uh, your your life out west? Um, it's getting fall. When, so here, fall, Dennis. In case you don't know, it's a crisp sixties at high here, and we're getting the leaves. It's falling. There's colors happening. How is out west? Is it beautiful out there? Um, temperature wise, about the same during the day. Maybe. I don't know, five-ish degrees cooler. Co- co- cooler. I started out with cool and ended with cool, colder. Cool, 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 cool. Cooler. Um, it's raining a lot. Uh, I am still in Washington. Um, I'm back at that Makes park. sense, makes sense. I'm back at the park where I started uh, the beginning of July when I first crossed the Cascade Mountains. Um. And I'm making my way south from here. Um, I'll be here a week, and then I'll be right on the Washington-Oregon border for a week, and then a week in Oregon, and then down into California, which will take a while to get across. I'm meandering my way back down to Texas for the winter, um, partly because I know there are parks there that are good uh, places to spend the winter and my family are doing Christmas so I want to be close enough that I can drive back to Indiana mm. for right. the holidays right. so are, are you going to like on, on your your trip route are you, so I know you had mentioned going south to California-ish area but you've got this whole holiday thing with family, are you going to like haul the whole thing, the dog, the home everything out back to the Midwest or are you just going to fly? Because you've done it a couple times where you like no, set camp, I, do I, a thing. It's it's very difficult to fly with a dog, um, unless it's you know service animal or something. Um, and so I've I've not really looked into. I've not really, um, well, yeah, looked into uh, the logistics doing that. Uh, when I came back to Indiana, I left uh, her with family. Yep. Yep. So I will take the camper. As far as Texas, where I want to spend the winter again, and then I a little bit, yeah, yeah, and then I will store it, um, 
and drive up to Indiana for the holiday and then and then come back. Oh, for the wintertime. I, I have, we have not talked about this, only a little bit in, t- in tangentially uh, in our game nights. I've got to somehow convince you to be in the Las Vegas area near the end of January. Somehow I've got to figure out how I can alter your plans to be in that, to be in that area. Yeah. We got our buddy, we got our buddy Pat's big, huge, uh, what is it? Mid centennial birthday coming up and he loves Las Vegas. He's going to be out there. So we got to get our dentist out there. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my plans are in, in that regard. There is a park right in Las Vegas and I'm planning to stop there on my way. Um, but I don't know. My sister is well, going well, back. Here, here it is live on the air. Me pushing for you to, to make alter your plans to, to work that in. I mean, I would <laughs> like to be there for that. And there are a lot more parks in California, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I've not seen. Um, and, and everywhere out West there, like in, in the Nevada area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I might talk to my sister because she's doing kind of the same thing. She was in Coeur d'Alene um, and is uh, sort of not not really following me, but she's a, a little bit behind me. And then she wants to try and link up somewhere along the way so we don't have to separately drive back to Indiana um, if, that uh. work, if that works out for us both. Um, and so I don't know. I might I might alter those plans. It would be you nice what? To, to be there for Pat's uh, um, birthday thing. Big day. You, you know what? I, I just realized as we're talking here that that um, our our listeners may have clued on a little bit. I think there's only been one or two mentions of, of the fact that, that Sarah also lives the nomad life. Um, we should make, as much as we spend a good 10 minutes of the show talking about your adventures on, on your, your uh, house life or, or home life, we'll say, um, we should have her on the show sometime. Talk, talk, and, and spend like a, a dedicated segment on on the how, the adventures of uh, a nomadic lifestyle for yeah. both of you, not just you. I mean, you're you're one person, but we've got another person in the Rogers family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right, so we'll we'll put the the bug into Sarah's ear and have her on the show sometime. How's that? Sure. Yeah, I'll ask her. All right, so uh, to start off with uh, some semi-interesting things you made a trip which is not always an easy thing to do when you're staying in campgrounds outside of towns uh into a town to watch a movie in the theater right mm-hmm. uh, so tell us about that journey was it uh do you have to drive like an hour you, last week i think you mentioned like an hour away to a show i you deal with your dog and coming back and if it's a long show sure i always check um not always i often check because um, I know that the Marcus Theater Group, uh, where I've mentioned before, they have a nice location in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. They have half price Tuesdays, not half price, but it's something. It's like five. The tickets are five dollars, and some of the concessions are cheaper, um, and their beer because they have beer there. <laughs> they have beer. So it's and, a good good uh, criteria for Dennis's good theaters. They serve you for some. Sure, theater. sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, those, those. I don't know if they're all like this, but that one at least is fantastic because you can um, order whatever you want at the bar, 
and specify times and they'll bring it into you during no. the movie. Yeah. No. And you've yeah. got the got you got the Gone P app so you know when good times are to bring stuff and things. That's that's true. I got that when I was going to the Brokaw Theater in um up north in, in northern Indiana. Yeah. But yep. the um I don't know if you can hear that. There's like a helicopter really close. Um Ooh, cool. They're raiding you. They yeah. You and they had beer at the concession stand. At least they did. I think they changed hands during the pandemic. But um, I got that run pee app so I could go get a second beer. But when I went to, yeah. um, <laughs> I get a second uh, beer. It's so great. It what a great way it, reason to get an app. I think it's called Movie Tavern. Well, sometimes because I was drinking beer during the movie, I also had to go pee. And it was nice to know, like they, I think it's just a handful of people um, maintaining that app and they just watch these movies and mark times that are like, (laughs) okay, here's a scene where T'Challa goes into this dream realm and talks to his, his ancestors. And they, and it annoyed me because I'm like, you know, you know, I would have rather taken a break during the car chase. I don't, I'm not too (laughs) thrilled by that stuff anymore, but I get it because if it's just a dialogue scene that's not like you know really impactful it's just you know a little bit of exposition or something they can summarize it and you can just read it in the app Um, while you're taking a pee (laughs) yeah or something um but anyway movie tavern in williamsburg and i don't again i don't know if this is all marcus theaters but um i would just tell them i'd go i'd get my ticket and i would go and i'd say you know, let me have, uh, you know, whatever they had, Blue Moon or something, and bring me another one at, let's see, the movie starts at 7, bring me another one at 8. That is phenomenal. I yeah. love that. It was it was amazing. Um, oh, man, I want those. AMC, but... are you listening right now? Listen to this podcast. <laughs> right. Do that. Um, but the Regal Theater Group also has a Tuesday night special where the tickets are half price and Mm -hmm. the large popcorn I think is maybe large drinks too those are both half price on Tuesdays yeah Um, Yeah. it's a good good time to go on Tuesday and so I keep I keep and I like you have to sign up for their rewards thing but it's free so I I move around too much to do any of the clubs that you have to pay for because I Mm -hmm, never know mm -hmm. where um, oh yeah, where they're going to have know, the theaters in your area? Yeah, where there's right. going to be a theater. Um, but yeah. there are a lot of Regal Group there. I think Marcus has like twenty, but they're all on the east. Um, like I think the furthest one out west is like Wisconsin, maybe. Um, yeah. But anyway, Regal does it too, and so I will look sometimes, depending on if I'm in the mood to go see a movie. I'll look and yeah. see how far the theater is and, you know, whatever week it is, whatever location I'm at, um, how far it is and whether uh, we're doing Tuesday night games. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, right. So double on there, yeah. I mean... That's why. That's often why I when, don't go to movies on a Tuesday. Yeah, whether yeah. whether we're doing, I should say, whether we're doing Tuesday night games in person or virtual. Because or virtual. if it's in person, I can go see a movie. I'm not, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not there. Um, but if it's virtual, I'm like, I don't want to miss game night to go see right. a movie. Um, Sadly, I do not have that luxury of either, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that preamble, the the theater 
in uh, Bellingham, Washington was about 25 minutes from the park up toward Blaine. Um, oh, that's which, not bad. Which is in the Blaine's in the northwest corner of Washington. Um, and so I went down there and I debated between see, finally seeing Oppenheimer or seeing the creator, which I'd heard Ooh, some good things about. Rough call, rough call, both those two things. And they had an IMAX screen, choice. which I've not never seen an IMAX. I don't think I've gone to see a movie in IMAX. I've seen no, the IMAX really? at like, I don't know, um, some some museums and places have an IMAX screen, but they're showing like, right. you know, whales or something on it. Yes. Right. Um, not, not an actual like film. Right. Movie. Right. Yes. And I know there's one up in, um, what, Fisher's? noblesville something up yeah up, uh, sure. in indy um and i used to drive by that one when i would go from bloomington up north or back and mm-hmm. fairly often i would drive past and go do i want to stop and see a movie like yeah but it's yeah. like a four and a half hour drive do i want to add two hours in the middle of that to go see a movie <laughs> no, not really um, I, you're right. You're right. But I, I appreciate the temptation of it. I've sure. been there before. Like, stop here for this thing. Yeah. Uh, I and so that's, that's interesting. We'll have to do that. Like next time you're around, we'll make a point like to do a a cool somewhere uh, IMAX movie because like like I I talked on the show about Oppenheimer seeing it in an IMAX and how different it was than watching in a, in a different you know not all movies are going to be great in IMAX. Yeah, and worth worth watching. I know I know that there's some controversy over whether the projectors are actually real IMAX or like some kind of upscaled thing that's like a pseudo. Sure, sure, sure. It Whatever. Yeah. Reminds me of the early days of digital cameras, which I know like <laughs> right. yeah. people are like, What's what other kind of camera is there? Like, you mean the camera on your phone? No, that's digital too. All the all cameras are digital now. Correct, um, correct. Yeah. Or all the, mo- yeah. Right, right. Um, and the, um, like they would advertise zoom, right? Like how much you can zoom mm-hmm. your photos with the digital camera when the early, in the early years of digital cameras and, you know, oh, they still do that now with the new iPhone. What are you talking about? Yeah. The, an optical zoom has like moving lenses and yes. Yeah. With the iPhone, I think just the. The resolution of the image is so huge that the digital zoom doesn't matter. Like I took a video and of some jets going by and zoomed in, and like I can still see all the detail on these jets. It's wild. But anyway, yes. um, in the early days, it was just, and I mean, it still is. Digital zoom is just, you know, cropping and then bl- blowing the picture up from there. So it's not getting any sharper. Um, Anyway, I don't I don't know anything about the IMAX thing, but <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, this movie, the creator was was available in both, and on the Tuesday night, the I don't think it's half the IMAX price. I think the IMAX is like a fixed upcharge, so okay. instead of being their normal price of like thirteen something plus yeah. six fifty, it was the oh, half price six twenty five plus six fifty. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, so it ended up being like, I don't know, twelve seventy five or something. Oh wait, you watched this in IMAX? Yeah. No kidding. Oh, all right. I got questions. Yeah. How, uh, 
beyond the movie, don't preach into the movie. How was the IMAX <laughs> experience with this movie? Um, Man, don't talk about the movie itself or know, any story or whatever. But you know, this might be one of those where um, it's not really uh, made specifically for not specifically, but um, whatever. Um, yeah. Like I, I heard that that was true of uh, the Justice League Snyder cut, which mm. is why it was square. Yes, that was, it was designed yeah, yeah. to be on that on that more square imax screen um this looked like a normal movie the only moment that i remember um being like aware and possibly impressed by the imax experience was um there's a point in the movie where they play a radiohead song yeah um if you know the scene i'm talking about yeah yeah and you know radiohead music is very like complex and kind of ethereal um yep and i could hear the little sounds and the voice and stuff like spatially mm. like in the surround so i'm gesturing correct yes. um and that was noticeable but that to me is like i don't know i feel like um you know the theaters all have the like seven point dolby or thx surround i don't know if that's particular to imax or if they have a better and even better sound i've definitely been in theaters that have better screens and sound systems than others i have um, theory on this I'll, I'll say in a minute okay and yes. this one also had the quote-unquote standard stadium seating um by mm, which i mean okay. the kind of the like comfortable stadium seats with the armrest with the cup holder that tips up oh yeah okay right just normal um yep. where i've i've been to regular regal theaters that have the big um the wider recliners with the little table oh yeah attached to super them. fancy right, um yeah. and i like that because even if i'm next to somebody the regal theaters also have uh um seat selection right you buy your seat uh-huh. Uh, you, you pick your seat. I mean, that's, you that's standard these days, unless you're AMC Classic Town, like yeah, Bloomington. Yeah, I used to go to like the Broke. I didn't have that, and the NCG Neighborhood Cinema Group theaters that we used to go to um, also didn't have that. And the funny thing is, you know, it's like anything. You stay somewhere long enough. I remember when that theater was new, and it was like, oh, they've got these great big. Um, uh, you know, comfortable seats and the armrest tip up. This is great because that right. theater, that theater was like a 45 minute drive from where my parents lived. And the theater in the next town, in the town of like 10,000 people, um, had the, had regular, like there were no cup holders in the armrests and the armrests were fixed. You couldn't fold them up. And the seats were pretty small. And, you know, if it was in the main screen, it was like downtown and had expanded into the business next to it or something. So there was one good screen and the other three were all kind of small. But, you know, the tickets were like five or six dollars. And you had to pay cash until like, I don't know, 2019 or something. Yeah. Um. And and now the you know the stadium seats with the fold up cup holder armrests are 
those are the the, the old like basic things Base, basic. Funny. i mean that's, that's the bloomington theaters sadly so yes right I, I i will say i am side plug to any amc or other theater executive out there who happens to be listening to our podcast <laughs> right is uh is that uh the fact I understand the idea that theaters can't upgrade because it's so expensive to put in these very expensive recliners for everywhere and all of this kind of things into a theater to upgrade it. I understand that. But what seems unacceptable to me is the seat reservations that theater companies still refuse to have, even though they have them for their, what we'll say, premium theaters. Like you should be able to, even the oldest theaters be able to put a, a simple software and I can go online and reserve the specific seat that I want. That is completely independent of what kind of seat that is, you know, and it, and it, yeah. and it bugs me that, that, yeah, that every weird. theater in America right now in America isn't, you know, reservation seats specific. It's just unacceptable to me in this modern age. I work on websites, so I know it's <laughs> not that complicated than, any ordering software yeah so anyway the, the yeah. one of the one of the other things i like about the recliner the the big recliners aside from you know the fact that they're more comfortable and put your feet up and i don't get as restless kind of sitting there for two hours yeah, yeah. um yeah. is that they're big enough that i don't mind sitting next to somebody yeah right. where you're in a space in, right? yeah. in the normal seats you're like oh who gets to use this armrest it's not as bad as a plane mm-hmm. by a long shot yeah uh, you right. know but pretty much always bumping into somebody in a plane um but yeah when so then when i when i buy the tickets on um i use the fandango app even though i'm probably paying of course more for that instead of just using the regal app or something but it's free with my amc stubs account (laughs) i like it because it um because it'll just show me where the nearby theater is it's easier to find like show times and stuff in that app um but you know this is not interesting at all i'm telling this whole story um <laughs> it's, but no, i'll, no, it's, it's I'll reserve seats and i'll try to leave you know i can see where there are seats already sold right so i'll leave like, yeah right at no, least yeah, one sometimes two seats between me and the next person i'm like okay where can i go is that I also like I think, to go I think early, that's so I'm I think not, it's awesome. Yes, uh, because I'm in Pacific time and my workday ends earlier. I'll go to like, you know, the six o'clock show or like the four o'clock show yep. sometimes. Yeah, um, and then I get out and it's still like there's still day left. I'm not driving back in the dark. <laughs> hey, the the converse happens. By the way, is that like Oppenheimer? Perfect example. We ha- I had uh, four friends who bought seats. And they said we bought like E twenty one through twenty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we bought, and I can actually see on the grid online that you know tw- uh, twenty is available right next to them. So it's not just like I want to have space from people. It's you know I, maybe I want to be right next to these people right. and sit next to them. So yeah, yeah. and it, it also completely eliminates the little psychological game that I used to play with my siblings when we would go to movies is just tell them, like, do the math. I'm like, this is when the movie starts. Here's, you know, 50 minutes before that, because it's going to take us 45 minutes to get there. Yeah. And then I would just tell them we had to leave, like, 15 minutes earlier than that. 
Yes. Because yes, I'm with you. there's always somebody who like didn't feed a dog or has to find their shoes <laughs> or is yeah, pushing yeah, yeah. it to the last minute and then five minutes later. And I'm like, we're going to get bad seats because we get there and there's no, you know, or we're not going to be able to sit to get like for us yep. to sit together. We're going to have to sit way off to the side or something. Um, and when the seats are reserved, there's just none of that. Like I, yep. I'll, I'll show up like, at the same time the movie starts or maybe like five minutes before or after because i know that it's not the movie itself doesn't start to like 20 minutes after the start time because of all the trailers i do kind of want to see those trailers sometimes but you know there's less uh urgency to it or 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 you can watch them and other people don't don't other people don't have to that are coming with you which is something i think is pretty interesting i'll uh i'll go with to some of those places with some of our friends Right, like, and know that I don't really care to watch the trailers that I've already seen. By the way, I do like trailers, but you know, I'm I'm not that interested. And and I know that the movie doesn't start at least at the earliest twenty minutes until after, and I don't have to show up twenty minutes early. Right, that that my friends, if they want to see the trailers, can go right on time, watch the trailers. But I can show up ten minutes late and get my popcorn, and not miss the film, and have my seat already reserved. Right. And not have to worry about it. Saved, I guess we'll say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, to you uh, marketing or movie execs out there, I will definitely, in, especially in a new city, pick a theater that lets me pick the seats online over an equally comparable theater that does not. I mean, it, I definitely will. If I can make that reservation and not have to worry about it, it's a huge difference. In my exp- movie going experience, sure. Okay, so well, so you've you, here you go. You saw a theater. Now you watched a movie in IMAX. You mm-hmm. actually saw a thing. All right. Before we move on to that film, which I do want to talk about, I want to say that uh, in in a lot of theaters, there's this separation between the bottom area and the top area. Right. Um, in in some theaters, it goes. It transitions from old school seating where it's kind of more of a flat to stadium seating where it's very vertical. Um, and then you have a walkway in between. Yeah. It like and, connects the two, you know, maybe the main entrance and the fire exit or right. um, something. And yeah, that's a good point. The, the yes. front section rows are, they're still tiered, but they're more flat because everybody yes. is looking up toward the screen yes. where right. on the other side of the row, um, they're much more tiered so you can easily see above uh, the people in front of you looking right. forward. So our, our buddy Trotsky, who used to be have huge like uh, excitement about audio engineering. We talk often a lot about um, theaters because you know, I'm a big theater movie guy. And, and we talk about the optimal audio uh, positioning for audio stuff. So some occasionally I'll we'll look at theaters that, are, that I'm going to or, or around here on, and look at that kind those forums or people who are audio buffs and think about what's the optimal seating. And oftentimes the most optimal seating for theaters that have these kind of breaks between stadium and more flat, which is most theaters, um, the best audio place is often the, the second-ish or third-ish row of the stadium seating. But, for my opinion, the best viewing of a film is often in that floor area. 
Now, I know that's controversial because I know a lot of people don't. They have this thing like, oh, I don't want to be looking up. It's all in my face. But immersion is a huge thing about films. Being involved in it, being like a part of what's happening or you in that space sometimes. And when you are in the stadium seating section, that back half, you are very removed. You're watching a television show. You're watching this thing as an observer. But when you get to a certain point when watching a film where it's so big that it becomes immersive, that you're inside of it, I think that's very important for film. I think it's something that that totally changes the experience that you're doing. IMAX has that for every seat, sometimes too much because you're in the lower areas. Mm. Uh, There's not a spot where you're not totally surrounded and and involved. And therefore, when you have this kind of wraparound, full immersion sensation, sounds are different. Everything about the film is different. You can tell positioning different because you're in it. Sure. And even if you have the best sound available to you in that back stadium seating, you're not necessarily visually uh, involved in the same way. Uh, so this goes back to your comment before about how there was different sound or something. I, granted, IMAX has generally has some really good sound to it. But I think that also has to do with the fact that, that being close to the, the screen or being surrounded by it to a certain extent allows you to be more immersed in it and you notice things like the visual or audio clues to the left or the right or things like that mm. and makes it even more immersive. Uh, so yeah, that, that honestly, I do always recommend the second row, not the first row when you're, you're all the way to the back from that flat area, but the second row in is by far my favorite seat in the theater is that you're going to get a little bit less sound, but you're going to be more immersed in the actual visual parts of the film, uh, but back far enough that you're not like darting your head left and right all the time. Hmm. Personal opinion. Yeah. As well. yeah. Okay. I, I, I usually try to get the first row of the stadium section um, because most, oh, that's a good spot. That's a good spot. Most too, yeah. of that just has railing, right? So I can put yep, my feet up on the rail. My, my legs get restless when I sit Yes, like that for, yes. For super long, and I don't want to be kicking the seats in front of me. Um, yep, I'm with you. That's a that's a quality area right there. That first row, if you can get that, definitely. I yeah, it, and you're pretty close, it right? Gets you're snatched really up close. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's oddly, oddly though, it's also where the the a lot of the handicap spaces are. So people sometimes don't want to take those spots for uh, people who are with the handicap people. But honestly, if it's free, especially on those reservation sites, yeah. <laughs> the what I see most often is like that front area, that aisleway between the two sets of seatings is yep. fairly deep, and they have yep. the um, disabled seating in front of that railing with a few oh, a yep, few yep. seats interspersed. So you know, if you're there with someone in a wheelchair, right. they can pull up next to the seat, and then you can yep. you sit in a normal seat. Um, right. right. Man, I, it, it, right now it just gets me excited to watch an, an IMAX. And it's always, honestly, it's not necessarily because of the IMAX filming or the way it's done. It literally is that you're, in most seating in an IMAX, you are in that closer, immersive, visually immersive area. It, so when I go to an IMAX, that's their goal, is to immerse you visually in the space. Sure. Uh, so, yeah. And, 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 uh, Oppenheimer did that. It, it 
completely enhance the film. All right, so now saying that, you chose not to go to Oppenheimer, which I, I do encourage you if you have an opportunity for some random thing to watch that in the theater, uh, although it could be enjoyable on the small screen. Um, the creator, what'd you think? Uh, let's do a thing. Um, it was. Hey, wait, wait. Give it. Give us a synopsis of it first. Like, what? What is this film about? People, the trailers don't do a good enough job, and I don't necessarily think the marketing tells us really kind of what this is. Yeah, I don't think I saw trailers or anything for this. If I did, I, you know, it none of it sunk in because I went into this right. with, um, pretty much no knowledge or expectations at all, except that you had seen it. And you called it sci-fi, um, mm-hmm. which and, is a, a large label, <laughs> right? Right, it's a broad genre, um, yep. and so that's pretty much all I went into it. This is a near near future sci-fi, um, too, too near. I think they actually get. I, I don't like when sci-fi give numbers like twenty forty eight or something. Sure, yeah, that's that's always amusing when you know. Oh, they think we're going to get there in 15 years? Yeah, right. Star, <laughs> Star Trek said that World War III happened in the 90s. Um, correct, correct. That, that, that bothers me. Which, anyway. you know, in the 60s is not a not a not an unreasonable prediction with everything. Right. And, and this film does that. It's something like in the 2050s or 40s even. I don't, I don't, is it that, Reese? Is it I that? Think it's, I think it's pretty close. Near? I could be wrong. Anyway, a a certain amount of time in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, I guess not super far, not not hundreds of years, and, and I don't think even a hundred years. Um, right. And they did. And what happened? What what happened in this film? Like, so, I mean, not in this film, but like, in, what happened to set up this film? In in this world, um, they develop yep. AI or they, they make robots and they give the robots artificial intelligence, right? The classic going back to Asimov and probably earlier. Yep. Um, I robot, a lot of those kind of films. Yeah. The, they give the robots AI. Um, there's, there's some debate in the plot, whether the robots are self-aware though. It's, it, it seems that they are, but you know, and people think, say that that's just programming it's like the Westworld thing a little bit it's, it's, the, it's the big argument right, right the big the big argument so they're um they make robots they give them artificial intelligence they make them very human looking but not all the way as something like Battlestar Galactica right. yes it's um, not a human look right? yeah sure. it's a more I'm gonna say a more anime look which is probably problematic because um I think this was a Japanese um, writer director, um, but no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the robots have that kind of look, and not. I have so many. I keep interrupting myself. With the thing they look, <laughs> they look like people, but with mechanical parts in their necks and back of their head. Like, yeah, you clearly know that they're you, like they're you, they're signaled to be cyborg. Yeah, they're they're clearly not humans and there are also robots that look like robots uh with metal yes. faces and stuff um also interesting like like uh star wars but um they they the faces are normal they're not like uh alita battle angel 
anime faces or anything like that. Correct. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, no, no. Anyway, they make robots, they give them AI, and then um, one of them, it's not really clear and they don't go into this, but um, the AI nukes Los Angeles. And... That's how set the setup is. That's that's the setup, and I think it's sort of it's sort of alternate past as well, alternate history, because I think that nuke happens pretty close to present day. Um, mm, cl- very close. That may be the twenty forties that I was thinking of. Maybe. Yeah, and then and then the the bulk of the film. There's a little bit of a prologue, but the bulk of the film is enough after that that um, we've sort of walled off that ground zero in LA and are doing cleanup now. So like enough of the radiation has dissipated or not dissipated, but um, decayed that, um, that, that, so it's, I don't know, maybe 50 years in the future from that or something. I don't remember the exact dates. Um, So we get a little bit of a mid information with history and then further, we continue further on. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a prologue, some events happen, and then it jumps forward 10 So AI, so the gist is that AI attacked, right? The AI attacked and nuked humans. Yeah, some some AI attacked, and part of the world, um, mostly America, um, it's not clear, like, what other countries still exist. Um, The region of... um, China and other countries around it is all called New Asia. Um, They don't really go into like the maps and the alliances or what's going on in the rest of the world. Um, But America and presumably some allies make artificial intelligence completely illegal. They push it all out and they're going to hunt down and exterminate all of the sentient robots. Um, but you can totally see that. I mean, I, I could see that yeah. very believable thing. Yeah, it, it, it tracks. Um, and um, and in in New Asia, the AI are allowed to live and be, and they're part of the they're they're part of the society, just like they were in the sort of montage at the beginning of the movie. Um, Correct. Li- living among humans, etc. In this one specific area of the world, yeah. But everywhere else is is has made laws and rules against this, and are fighting a war to to combat against countries the the was it said Pan Asia or New Asia New Asia to to uh, stop the proliferation and uh, integration of these right yeah just kind of hunt down and exterminate them basically so there's a war we're in the middle of the creator starts in the middle of a war yes yeah yeah okay so what what is the premise of the show that we follow what's the main storyline that we're following here um so we follow a guy and his um wife i think his partner um they're living in hiding um He's in New Asia, um, and she is pregnant. Um, they get attacked by Americans. Uh, no, they don't. They get attacked by um, 
the sort of resistance, some some robots, and I think mostly all robots. Um, and and the Americans find them, and there's like crossfire, and they establish that the U.S. has built a orbital platform that they call Nomad, uh, yeah. w- which is just a space station, basically. Yep. Um, that can scan... That, by the way, that's the science fiction part for me because there's no way in 30 years we would make another space station. <laughs> right, right. It's this <laughs> giant... I mean, right. m- maybe if we're Continuing at war, on, right? But yes. Like wartime spending, uh, government sure, spending sure, sure, goes, sure. goes way up. Um, okay, fair. But it's a very sci-fi thing. Like it scans the ground in this sort of grid and locks onto targets and then lost, launches missiles from space. It just obliterates them. Yeah. Right? It's like a death machine. And so he, the the protagonist, the guy, is is undercover for uh, the U.S. And um, his wife, his partner, decides to go with the resistance, with the robots. And then they get blasted, you know, they get nuked from orbit. Not really nuked. They get bombed from orbit by Nomad. And... Then we cut to the present, which is like 10 years or slightly less uh, after those events. Um, he is missing an arm and just an arm. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I actually think that he was missing that before, but I don't think that's important. Yeah, it's it's not part of the plot, but you see him like you know, getting it maintained or, or something at the beginning. Um, right. And then he, I mean, I don't necessarily want to explain the whole plot, but, um, no, no, but, but, but the premise of the start of this is, yeah, that's how we got this. That's him. And then the government finds him and, and shows him a, a hologram thing that maybe his wife is still alive and they want him to go, uh, find some super weapon that the um, I forget if there's a name for the oh there's a leader right there's a there's a guy there's like a godfather of AI called n- n- uh, starts an in I know in, right, yes ultimately it translates yeah. to yeah it's a word in I want to say Indonesian or something. Uh, the yeah. the the movie opens with a title card with the definition of that word, um, that which here's, means here's what it really means, and to to humans, it's the guy who invented AI, right? It's that sort of um, sci-fi plot. Uh, I mean, uh, AKA element. the creator, right? Yeah, the the creator. He's the, you know the the man who invented AI and to the ai he's like their god yes obviously yeah right, that's a good that's a good setup like so that's that's where we are this film and it, and i don't necessarily say that marketing or trailers gives you that premise that you just very well did for for us like it set us up into a spot like oh now i know what kind of film this is, what we're going to watch, and and whatever. Um, so that's better, what you just said, than, than what we've gotten. And that's unfortunate, because I think 
that kind of thing, I actually would have been super excited about. Oh, I want to watch this. It's very interesting. Uh, what they gave us in trailers often was just like uh, big kind of fight scenes and combat or CGI and robot stuff. Uh, and then the, the other marketing was very little, if any. Yeah. Uh, so I would have I would have loved to have seen a more synopsis that gave what you just did than other, than other things. All right. So you watch this in IMAX, which I'm a little jealous of because it feels like there's so many shots in here that are like big or open of the countryside and things. And uh, the reviews have been almost unanimous that you should watch this on the biggest screen available. So it sounds like you did and I haven't. So tell me, what did you think of this film? Um, it's, it's a movie. Part of what made me appreciate it more, uh, some of the things in the, in the plot and the, not necessarily the plot, but the story, um, the, the bigger story that they were telling, um, kind of, I don't want to say bothered me. That's too strong of a word, but kind of, I don't know, whatever's less than bothered, like, (laughs) um, (laughs) whatever. Uh, and that sort of distracted me toward the end. Um, I found out afterward, I think our buddy Justin posted this, that this movie was made very cheaply, relatively speaking. Um, Which is, it feels, that's crazy that it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Something like a $40 million budget compared to like a bad Marvel movie costs like $300 Oh my! Oh my God! The Flash felt like it was. It cost like something like two hundred fifty million to make, and felt like twenty dollar CGI. And this film, what'd you say, forty million or something like that cost? Something like that. Insane, right? Yeah. And I think graphics. I think part of that is cast. Like the the actors aren't yep, unknowns. Um, the the lead, the protagonist, was in I think Black Klansman and a couple other uh, recent films. Um, that I hadn't seen. I didn't recognize him. Um, oh, who's the Asian guy? I'm blanking on his name. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, and, jeez, uh, oh, CJ from West Wing. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, J- Allison Janney. Shane Janney, that's right, Allison Janney. Um, and I don't think there was anybody else in this that I recognized. Um, so there's some of that. And the the sci-fi, the visual effects look very much like now I don't I don't want to say a video game because that seems derogatory, but there were strong StarCraft vibes to me. Oh, um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's I, but in a way where it all looked real, it looked photorealistic. So I don't want to say it was like a video game cutscene. Um, no. Yeah, it's pretty good. It honestly. it had it just had that feeling better than to me. it should have been. Um, and but there was nothing that looked bad. There was a lot of um, they're like islands out in the water, some of which are very tall, and then places where there were there were structures that just shot vertically way up. They didn't move, but I mean they ran really high up in the sky. And I'm like, this is. Sort of, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's kind of that. And obviously, mm-hmm. the whole world didn't get destroyed like like Los Angeles did. But 
Um, it's all like, you know, people living in huts and stuff like that. And I was like, this architecture is fairly improbable considering this is just the normal world. It's not Dune or anything. Um, and th- that like distracted me a little bit, but all of the like explosions, the fights, the robots, the, the things that, um, distinguish the AIs from people is I said, they have these mechanisms. There's like right where like the, the, um, I don't know, kind of where, where the brainstem is, I guess there's like mm-hmm. a hollow cylinder in their head with like stuff, little parts moving and spinning in there. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and there are several of those characters, like they're real actors with that stuff, you know, grafted onto them in, in visual effects in, in yeah. post post-production. Um, Just crazy good with that. Yeah. And all of that, all of that was really good. So it's, so it's, imp- it's, it's an impressive movie for that budget um like yeah, it minimum told that, that's that's cool right a, that part a of solid story um and didn't need to just bleed money to do it um and how, how, how did you feel how did you feel dennis okay about so when you walked out and you've got the whole story which we're not going to say we're not going to spoil or anything i don't think we're, we're we even want to go into spoilers here you walked out. You're done. You you've got this whole story, which, by the way, I want to say for my two cents is smaller than the thing you just presented to us. All the stuff that is world encompassing and AI and the the story actually of it is very small and self contained. I think to a specific situation and people. How did you feel the story when you came out of it was told, or how did you feel about that you? Uh, satisfaction of it or resolution how did you feel about that the story of the the film I mean it wasn't bad which is a weird way to start Um, it wasn't bad that means that that, that tends to imply that it also wasn't good yeah so I don't know like we do the number thing I mean for me like out of 10 it it's like a 7 um, for story, you're talking about story. Yeah, um, story and and the plot plotting had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, I've been I've been watching videos and learning more about storytelling and story structure um, yeah. for for filmmaking and writing. And so I could see the sort of like here's the prologue, here's here's the protagonist in status quo, here's the inciting incident when. Um, the government comes to him and shows him this thing of his wife and here's the enticement for him to make the big choice to step out of his status quo life and go on an adventure. And then it sort of follows those beats and then there's this foreshadowing and you see things that are going to come together and none of it, none of it was unexpected or surprising. Um, That's fair. That's definitely fair. The there were a couple things that didn't end, didn't resolve exactly the way I thought they would, but still like close. I was like, okay, they still did this and this, except, you know, this other thing with that, without spoiling anything, um, you know, didn't, didn't pay off in this way. Um, and so that was a little, 
you know, a lot of that is me, right? That's not. A, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a, a lot uh, um, scores and thoughts about a thing is definitely individual. Yeah, not a not a criticism of the movie, just a thing that I was aware of that that kept yep. me from from fully enjoying it. Um, yep. Maybe. Um, and some of the stuff about the the story, the the larger themes, um, made me uneasy. Not not uneasy. Made me annoyed, and in a way where I was seeing like what we call preachy stuff that I I don't think was as intentional as I interpreted, and then I was aware that I was doing that somewhat unfairly and that also distracted and 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 frustrated me while I was trying to watch it that's 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 interesting that's a, that's a tough thing to try to I'm gonna say the word ignore and it gets worse as you get older I say age I bring age into this because you get experience of watching different films you have experience of what you like and things in the world that affect you and when you're like 16 years old and you're watching a film and you have no a lot of experience on film or subjects or things then everything's new to you but sometimes when you're watching a film you have expectations or thoughts or you feel like oh they're being preachy in an X, Y, or Z kind of way you can recognize that sure. right? And or so, or yeah, the thing with that's the a totally valid thing or the thing with the story structure was just like oh I know yes. how this works so I can see yes. what tools they're using and how and right. they're not doing anything clever or interesting it's just very by the book um, which which by the way is very important I think for someone like you and I who I'll consider as part of the the media reviewing or critics society or group of people is to, to remember it's important that we keep perspective on who's watching a film. You and I have multiple times said the thing about this doesn't bring anything new to the table. I have on many occasions said, Oh, they did it better later because I watched the 1960s film and then, Oh, it was so much better later. Sure. I think it's important for us when we talk about things that we kind of keep that perspective that not everybody has seen a freaky Friday movie. Right. And, and says that like, Oh, I watched this film. It's not good because there's nothing new here, but we don't really see that someone who's never seen that concept before is blown away by it. Sure. And it did it better than the original did because of that. We'll say. But I think that that's important when you look sometimes when we review films um, in that thing. All right. So, so bringing back to this one. So we talked about the story. Um, overall, how would you rate the creator? Would you, would you recommend it? Would you say it's something? How, how do you recommend it in the sci-fi genre um, or just as a film in general? I mean, um think if there's anything really objectionable i mean some people don't like sci-fi so i would not recommend it oh sure um right this is definitely not a non-sci-fi if you like sci-fi adventure stuff like i think i would recommend this to um you know most of my siblings all my brothers and mm, half of my sisters i guess um 
and that's pretty that's pretty impressive. You have a yeah, large family, it, FYI. I, 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 I do, and and they have different tastes. Um, yes, very a broad. You know, yeah. two of them watch a lot of anime. Uh, one of them doesn't let her kids watch anime, and <laughs> right. So we have the the gamut here. Yeah, and then the fourth one watches like The Bachelor and stuff. So <laughs> nothing against The Bachelor. I watched a whole nope, season nope. of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you like uh, sci-fi adventure, it's got that vibe of a um, summer action movie. I don't want to say blockbuster because I don't think this was marketed well enough to. I mean, you wouldn't call it equal to a Transformers blocks. movie, right? No, I mean it's better. the the <laughs> that The writing, like a summer the, blockbuster to me. The writing, the story is better than that. It's it's somewhere somewhere in the same lines of like, um, you know, Independence Day. Maybe not as epic. Um, like the first one, not the second one, or the reboot or re. Right, sequel. right. Or um, I I can't say any of that because it'll be a spoiler. Um. But there's a there's a a story archetype that they're following, and there are many examples of movies like that, um, like Waterworld or um, oh I don't know Last of Us a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I mean you bring up the very post-apocalyptic stuff, which I I actually yeah. appreciate that you you brought up that it feels post-apocalyptic. But it's not post-apocalyptic. It's right. just post-major change in the world event that changed the world. Changed everything, yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. All right, so so I'll, I'll give my, if you don't mind, I'll give my, my thoughts on, on here. I, um, um, this film, I, I, I really like this kind of film. Sure. Obviously, it fits me for a couple different reasons, which I won't go into because of spoilerific things. But <clears throat> I think um, I like sci-fi that, 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 that I don't want to say makes you think, but sci-fi that that um, addresses some thoughts of modern ideas or future thoughts. Asimov does a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. And where you you think about, oh, man, in the future, if we have X, Y, or Z, let's say we have a C-3PO, right? And we have a, a person who's independently thinking. Let's explore the concept of um, robot personality or cyborgs or whatever it might be. And it's not with this movie in particular. But I really, I really like that idea of future challenges uh, that are so far crazy to us we have to worry about you know feeding our children right now but it, it's a it's such a fun thing to think about a freeing almost think about future problems with with ai and and computers and technology or whatever that's so interesting to me sure. so this film already had a leg up because of that kind of thing we're, we're already thinking about in the future what would this think you know we come to a certain point uh, we play it out play the scenario down the line where we are and a lot of my talks with friends on the front porch often comes to that. All right, let, let's uh, let's let's play this scenario out and then talk about a future where the government is this way or that way. 
I, I really find that fascinating, hearing different people's opinions and thoughts and how he would tackle that situation. So these kind of films just show that to me. It shows me what if, you know, we're, maybe that's one of the reasons they put this, some of the points near-ish future within 50 years, so that you can see that some of our governments and people are still the same mentality, the same kind of ideas, and then translate that into the situation of the AI uh, sentience and such. That's so fascinating to me, and I love things that. So right off the bat, this this film had uh, a hook on into me because of just that premise. Sure. Um, but uh, as oftentimes it can be the case when you have film or, uh, future films, you get stuff that are really bad sets, bad acting, um, bad script, bad writing, all sorts of crazy things that just make it like, oh, man, it's so disappointing, and I didn't really get to explore that. So none of that was in the, the way for me here. Um, the, the CGI was great. Uh, the, the acting was phenomenal. The writing was really great. So it really allowed me to see the world as that they were presenting it. It's uh, the two actors, the two main actors, the little girl and, and the guy um, were believable. They were, I could relate and understand to each of their positions, which allowed me to just think a lot. When I walked out of this film, I I just sat for a minute, which is my favorite thing. There's two things I like walking out of film. I love talking for 17 hours with the person that I watched it with about the film. <laughs> and there's yeah. the other part, which just allows me to sit in my car for five minutes and process what I just saw um, and kind of think about it. This film did that part, did the latter, yeah. where I sat down and thought how do I feel about this? And I know this was a, a huge grandiose story from what you Dennis just presented to us, but the main story is very small and personal between these family type situations. And, and I thought about that in a small scale in the future. And it was great, not necessarily good or bad, but my perspective looking back made me appreciate this film for those reasons uh i think in our in our group chat my limited comments have been i appreciate that we actually got a real film in 2023 that we could watch and a sci-fi film at that and that's what i appreciated most about this film was that i got to think about ai i got to think about cyborgs i got oh cyborgs bad thing robots Mm -hmm. i think about robots and the ai uh, evolution and what we would do in the future in a realistic way um, a little bit more and I really enjoyed that and I don't think we've had that kind of a real thoughtful but fun but also cool film in a long time uh, you know a couple years or so it let, definitely this year so it was a surprise for me to go to the theater on this I didn't know what to expect kind of film and get that out of it. Um, and I really appreciate the efforts put forward by the production staff, by the director, by the writer, writers, um, and everything by involved to present a film that I could enjoy, not because it was uh, necessarily just explosions and cool action or dynamic dialogue or specific 
specific performances, but as a film as a whole, I actually really enjoyed, especially that it was a sci-fi film, which is made for me. Uh, I, I love these kind of things. So, yes, I give this a huge thumbs up. I agree with you that I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. I would definitely recommend it to people who like sci-fi. But people without a sci-fi, I'd be a little leery to. Um, just because you got to be open to, to different thoughts of future. And that's what sci-fi genre ten, tends to have is this you know thoughtful, introspective kind of uh, conversation. Uh, so... I wouldn't recommend it to my sister, per se, who likes movies and stuff, but doesn't like to think too deeply about films. Uh, but I would definitely recommend it to all of my friends. I don't think there's one I wouldn't. Um, yeah. And people, anyone who likes Star Trek. <laughs> Let's put it that way. That's a terrible way to distill it. But anyone who likes Star Trek should definitely 100% go watch this film. Uh, just because it's, it's cool. It's fun. It's well made. So that's my opinion on the creator. Yep. Thumbs up. I would give it, if we had to do numbers, 8 out of 10. Only because 9 and 10 are reserved for the most top tier quality films. Yeah. And yeah. 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 But 8, eight is super respectful and worth your money to go watch. Um, and I am a little jealous. I think it probably would knock it up to a 9 if I watched it in IMAX like you did. <laughs> uh, because Oppenheimer, I think, got 1 or 2 points for me because I watched it in IMAX. Sure. Uh, I, I also, it's worth noting for me, I've only watched it one time. I do plan on watching it, maybe even Friday. Uh, and I do better with films, uh, and thoughtfulness on multiple viewings. It's just kind of my thing. Sure. Yeah. I don't do that as often as I should. It's definitely true. And sort of, um, I don't know. The whole spoiler thing is a complicated topic, but to me, I'm like, I, I appreciate some, that we didn't spoil this, by the way. So, some of the most, like, I appreciated rewatching all three versions of Pride and Prejudice we saw because I already knew the story. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And yeah. so you, you, just, you just notice more details. You see the foreshadowing um, or even, yeah, it's still foreshadowing. Like, we think of foreshadowing yeah. as, like, clues in a mystery to help you figure it out. But it's the same in a normal story. A normal story. It's the same in other genres. Um, you know, sticking with Pride and Prejudice, like you see the hints of their slow burn relationship happen. Right. You know, almost from the first meeting, and definitely every subsequent time they uh, cross paths. I, um, no, I I agree but, with you. Yeah. I, I I obviously I'm a I'm a chronic rewatcher. Um, recently, Subspace Rhapsody with Star Trek um, has been. <laughs> A thing that I'm watching crazy, but but also, also multiple stable. Yeah, don't start, Dennis. Um, multiple watches of things like that uh, makes me appreciate writers so. And in that case, uh, uh, comp composers uh, that much more. Like sure. just, I'm so impressed by good writers when I'll rewatch a, a film or a, a TV show. And can appreciate the things that you just well said of noticing foreshadowing and all those things that you just said. I can appreciate the, the people who write those things in those scripts. Like those people need credit. And when you can watch a film and see those kind of things that they've sprinkled in on your initial viewing, you didn't notice. Man, those guys need more pay. And thankfully, they're getting that. 
recently. Yeah, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. All right. So All right. What, what 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 do we get next? We're uh, we talked about that way longer than I thought we would. Um, yeah, it was good. It was good times. Good. I love both those those uh, angles. So let's uh, let's do two things. First, let's talk about our movie. And, oh, I like our movie. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Taskmaster. Oh, good coins. Uh, uh, what do you want to start with? Let's start with our movie. Let's do that. Let's movie. do the movie first. Otherwise, we'll run out of time. All right, so this week, what what do we have? We have we got a- Abbott and Costello, right? Like that's a thing. Those guys are were big. We watched Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, uh, and some people say is this is their best film. Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Frankenstein was the full title, I guess. Nineteen forty eight. Oof, not ra- not rated because th- I don't think things were rated that far back. Um, right. Eighty five years ago, Dennis. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I had never seen... Almost 100 years ago. That's insane. Okay, an sure. An Abbott and Costello movie that I know of. Um, it's Me possible. Either. It's possible Same I was here. in the room with my grandparents when it, they, you know, they were on AMC or something. Um, <laughs> they were classics then? Yes. Yeah, in when I was a kid in the 80s, uh, early yep. 90s. Yep. Um, yeah, I... I don't have a lot to say about this movie. Um, and this com- this comes with the uh, we watched uh, a Bob Hope not too long ago. Yep, too, Hope and like, Crosby. And kind of um, yep. Go to go to where Turkey Morocco. Do we go to Morocco? Is yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's in that kind of period. Uh, so you had I'm asking you questions and you can all right follow through here. Uh, so Abbott Costello. So you you. Like myself, you'd only seen them on some people say Nick at Night. If you're the old people, or um, reruns AMC, American not AMC theaters, but American Movie Classics. Well, I um, think they were they were some of those that started in radio, right? Yeah, when they did that's like, how that's how long ago it was. Right? You know, there's a lot of sound effect, all the the like vocal stuff that um, the Costello does did um, was very like radio kind of telling it's funny there was you know this time in silent film where radio was storytelling all with the audio medium and films were telling stories all in the visual medium medium and there was no a crossover because movies didn't have sound they just you know they'd have music somebody playing a piano or something that went with it um and these two were at least as I understand, and I might be wrong about some of this history here, but I think there were some that transitioned out, right? There were a lot of, or at least there were a few radio shows that turned into um, TV shows or they made movies based on them, like Annie, right? It was a radio program before they made the movie and the musical. I don't know what order those things happened in, but um, that was these guys. And it's... Um, it's 1948, so it's it's after World War II, but it's still this kind of comedy that is very, like you were saying earlier, um, it's specific to the audience, right? And and right, right, and comedy. I mean, storytelling in general, but especially comedy, is very specific to the audience. 
Um, yep, I agree. Not necessarily the specific group of people, though that's definitely true, right? I can, um, <laughs> on the rare occasions when I'm in a social situation with, with new people or, like, mostly people I don't know, if I, you know, go to Fox's Oscars party and, you know, Fox and Jill know me and uh, and, and Chris, Geek Scholar Chris, knows me, but, you know, I've just met the rest of them, I can use some of the same humor that's very tired and and repetitive in our friend group but it's new to them so it's hilarious <laughs> right yeah, yeah um and you know and then just different cultures um i saw a tiktok recently trying to describe the difference between american and british comedy specifically sarcasm and i won't explain the whole thing because it's a interesting thought technology but um the 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 basic thesis is that um american sarcasm is pretending to be dumb and british sarcasm is pretending to be mean <laughs> okay <laughs> and they 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 base that on this philosophy that um british people don't want to seem uncouth or uncivilized lacking social graces and americans <laughs> right. Americans don't want to seem dumb or incompetent. Mm-hmm. And so when the one group is trying to be funny, they're boorish and rude and mean. And when the other group tries to be funny, they're, you know, idiots or oblivious or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. they use the example of, of David Brent versus Michael Scott in the original versus the American oh, yeah. office. Um, oh yeah, yeah, good, good comparison. Anyway, that's just an example of how comedy is specific to the era, the culture, the society, the audience. Um, I think that's real important for this film. I mean, I, I do. Say, yeah, I say that a lot with, um, um, like Charlie Chaplin in his comedies yep. when he, you know, he's. We watched The Great Dictator when you know the. Oh like, yeah, that's Keystone that's a, that's a, that's a and, rare one though because his speech is transcendent to generations but yes yeah yeah the general the great dictator yes. is a is a unique um um piece in his catalog but um sure. in his but, early but silent saying, films yes. it's just like he's fighting with the cops the people are tripping and stumbling of course yes yes wacky yes. music and and everything goes on to a modern eye way too long um <laughs> yeah yeah and there's a lot of that here this is not a silent film there's sound but there's a lot of visual gags, right? So I can I can sort of see the mind of like, oh, we used to only be able to do this stuff, you know, all with sound. We'd have to do all the sound effects and the things like the gag at the beginning when he pulls the suitcase and the stuff all falls on top of him. Like, that's a radio show gag, right? They did that on uh, Fibber McGee and Molly. I'm, I'm making super old references as if I'm <laughs> a boomer. I, I did not listen to radio, but I went through a phase like in my early teens, early twenties, um, where I went back when podcasting just happened, there were a lot of, um, not a lot, but there were a couple of channels that would, um, you know, find these archives and like the guy would talk about it a little bit and then he'd play the original episode and you could find stuff online earlier than that. But, um, you know, he, he would go, they'd say the line and he'd, um, actually, it's either these guys or Laurel and Hardy where I listen to a radio show where they're doing the same bit. Like they're on a boat and, um, 
the you know there's a lady with her bag and um the the straight man tells the funny guy to to get the bag and and he pulls and you know you just hear a a crashing you know sound effect a bunch of fall, mm-hmm. fall, you know stuff falling um and then you know they go to the they go to the um museum where you see dracula keep coming out of the coffin and or opening up the coffin and looking at him and then he's always gone he's always back inside or he's hidden when um abbott comes back and so he doesn't believe him and they do that same joke like six times so many times and I'm like, if I was someone in 1948, I would probably laugh at that every time because right. I've not, you know, had a constant stream of comedy it's and novel. entertainment yeah. for my entire life. Um, yes. Yeah. No, no. I like I'm, I'm glad that you said that I'm a million percent agree on all counts. And that's one of the reasons why I also have a hard time saying too much about this, except for I am thankful the things that you just said. Uh, it's it's worth... This is definitely a film that you have to qualify... Or qualify? Yeah. Qualify. W- with with that pretext. Uh, because they do a lot of these things that you've seen a million times. You They're not as funny anymore, but they were at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I watched them for the first time, they were funny the first time, but I've seen those jokes many times. But we have, right. you do have to appreciate that, I know, the thing's following him. Oh, that's funny. You know, it's not funny now, but it definitely was funny then. Uh, and now you can hear it with sound because you saw it in Charlie Chaplin films when, oh, it's the funny sight gag. Um, or or the, uh, oh, I, I don't see the thing you see with Dracula. Oh, we switch sides and Dracula's on the revolving door on the other side. Oh, that's funny because he doesn't see it. That's the not the first time we've seen it, but it's the first time we've seen it with sound and with the, sure. the, the audio gags, right? Right. Uh, so that's a that's very important, I think, to this film to appreciate it in that way. These guys were doing uh, innovative comedy along with uh, Laurel and Hardy um, and Charlie Chaplin and, and people of that ilk at that time. Three Stooges, Three Stooges, definitely, definitely on the all those uh, little Marx rascals. Brothers. Yes, Marx Brothers. Oh yeah, well well said. They were doing those kind of things. Um. For the first time, or they were translating first time in audio, audio and video, visual at the same time. Uh, so that's exactly why these things were were big. Um, and this film, on the whole, was okay. If I was judging it by modern standards, I'd say it was okay. A couple things that make it not not bad by modern standards, but good by modern standards, is that uh, it's a really good fun uh use of frankenstein the wolfman and dracula like they put them together in a logical way and it was fun and they were all very 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 classic interpretations of those characters done in a single story like that's great well done um i thought that um getting bill bella lugosi one of the, mm-hmm. uh, the originators of dracula yeah. dracula's in this film i'm doing italian hand here that you can't see it's great <laughs> well well done um so there, there's a lot of that stuff that like catapults it from just eh, pass to a oh this was this was all right and and those are a couple of those things 
Um, also, uh, Abbott Costello, good delivery of lines. They the the things that they're that they're delivering, top notch. You know, they're they're doing the the joke of, yeah, um, chick. You know, like mm-hmm. I see the I see the guy, and oh, he's not there again. And there's the straight man versus the the comedian type guy. Yeah, they're so, well. You know, they're they're both you know veterans of their of their craft at this stage. for for sure right and, and they're veterans at the time and they are aware of what the audience hasn't seen what they know to see so yeah uh ultimately when i kind of this 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 film show uh i i really appreciate it for what it was it was fun uh very what you would it's, it's i would put rate this as what you would expect it to be you know nothing more nothing less it's yeah, Abbott and Costello, two funny people doing it from the fifties, forties and fifties, putting their uh, their jokes onto film, and that's what it was. Uh, and, and it's good to watch it at Halloween because it was a you know it's a fun, lighthearted. You could watch. You could definitely watch this with kids today and families, and they would like it. I think kids would like it a lot more actually, um, and get and get some jokes out of it. So, super thumbs up. For families, uh, a thumb sideways for cinephiles. Uh, actually, I'd say a thumb sideways for the general audience, and maybe a little bit thumbs up for cinephiles. Sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you if you're a fan of classic holiday, if you like the the um, haunted mansion movies, you'd like this, right? Sure. Um, but but otherwise, it's just okay. It's just okay. I, I wouldn't say, oh, go out. You must watch this film. How do you feel about that in your final verdict? Yeah, I don't I don't think I disagree with any of that. Um, it's it's good for what it is, right? Which is a yeah, yeah. 80. That's a good, that's a good five year old movie um, with a lot of slapstick, a lot of sight gags. Um, it's, you know, nothing that you're going to brush out like a hidden gem you're gonna tell all your <laughs> friends not a hidden gem yes yes immediately immediately go out and and watch um but uh were yeah. you also one of the one people that were like how many times is he gonna tell him to untie the boat before he's actually gonna untie the boat like at the I end there when they were doing I the fire Oh man! At the at the end, so so the setting is at the end there. Uh, they're on a boat going out to a lake, trying to get away from Frankenstein, and a guy is setting the dock on another guy, the Wolfman, I believe, who's setting the the dock on fire, and they are the our two protagonists are tethered by a rope on their boat to the dock, and drag our Frankenstein is trying to get them, and the dock is on fire. And Chick, the one of the main protagonists, is saying like, "Untie the boat." And the other guy's like, "Oh, I'm just getting away by paddling and just fighting." Oh, it's such a '40s and '50s thing that he won't listen to. Him. Yeah. And the yeah. main guy kept saying like, "Oh, untie the boat." And the guy would. I'll tell him. you. Like I'll tell you minutes. one thing. I'll tell you one thing that surprised me in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when there, there's this funny subplot about both of the female characters in this movie. Um, seem to want uh, Abbott, want um, Costello, I mean, <laughs> so, Costello. So, so dumb, yeah, yeah. Right? And, so there's, and there's this funny, it's a, you know, similar 
thing like we saw with Hope and Crosby or even when Hope uh when Crosby did movies with um Danny Kay. Yep. Um and um you know uh uh Costello is trying to pick, right? And he's and and Bud's you know, well what about the I forget their names now, but what about this other one? And he says uh she sends me. Mhm. Right? And and I'm like if you had asked me before this movie, I would have called that Gen Z slang. Maybe millennial, right? The like this and this this sends me. I was uh uh it's not the same expression, but um oh, do I want to go into this whole story? I mean, I'll make it <laughs> I'll make it as brief as I can. Okay. Um near where my brother lives in Idaho, there's a big lake famous like Coeur d'Alene and there is a spot where you can walk on this you know sort of mountain trail along the coast and there are rocks you can go out to the rocks and jump off into the water and it's very high I did it uh the the night or a couple nights before my brother got married and it's a big like you know leap of faith kind of thing and my newest brother-in-law um was there um, with my sister and we were going to do it only my brother did it a couple times who the one who lives there and my brother-in-law stood there for a long time and he couldn't decide and there was a group of kids probably high schoolers or whatever just close enough that they could sort of see us and one of them yelled come on buddy send it and I was like send it that's a that's a different like I try to I try to keep up on uh, the the Gen Z, the Zoomer slang, and figure out what it means and uh, how they use it and stuff like that. But I'm like, that she sends me did not sound like a 40s era expression. <laughs> no, no kidding, right? Um, Send it. Funny. Nice. But but it, it all comes around eventually. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I guess that it, that ends our, our, our Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Um the the reviews are that this is the best Abbott and Costello um, film, which is fair. I still think the best Abbott and Costello you could ever watch is Who's on First, which is not just a classic, but it is will never be eclipsed as uh, the 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 best stand up misinterpretation between two people uh, bit ever. Uh, so sure. go, go watch Who's on First, and that's the best Abbott and Costello. But this 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 was fun. I'm I'm glad that we watched it. Um, what what so we didn't we didn't uh pre set this dennis as we often do but it it is your week it is to, my week to, to pick, i i i'm no pressure here and i am okay if you don't pick this but i would like to put like a uh just a listener vote into one of the pride and prejudice films that tends to have zombies in it not that you have to watch that but oh. See, I was like, "What are you? What are you urging me for when it's my week? Like, you have your own week to." Pick. I do. I and, have my own times, and, yes. and I was gonna, I was gonna keep going with the Pride and Prejudice thing, and you wanted to take a break. I um, did, but I also knew October was coming, and we are in October. It's, it's the eleventh. We got three more. Mondays. <laughs> we are recording on the eleventh of October. Is what you're We've saying got here. three more Mondays in uh, in October. But only um, two for our listeners. Well, that's true. But we're going to record our our last uh, Spooktober episode will will air in November. Yes, correct. Um, correct. 
All right, again, not that I'm pressuring. I just want to. I want to vote on that one. I'm putting a vote in. That, that's that's a good one. Maybe a fan mail. We'll I'm putting watch a fan that on mail. one of your sending weeks, a fan or, mail. or I'll pick next week. But um, cause, cause that's <laughs> oh, on my list. Oh, you've got one. All right, you've got one ready picked I, out. Okay, I I do have one that feels like a good follow up to the Sabin Costello movie. Have you ever seen Dracula Dead and Loving It? Oh no, I have not, Dennis. But you know what? This show is exactly for that kind of viewing. <laughs> All right, it's, Dracula. Uh, Dead and I'm writing it on the sheet, uh, listeners. Loving on our it. spreadsheet. It's um, it's Leslie Nielsen, right? Oh, the, I am in. I'm already in. Of Say airplane no more. <laughs> um, it might. I don't know if it's a um, Mel Brooks. Oh, <sighs> Man, those are two two phrases that I cherish: Mel Brooks and Leslie Nielsen. Yes, it's Mel Brooks. Oh um, man! Yes, how of have course, we not because, seen this before? Okay, because Mel Brooks plays Professor Van Helsing. Oh man, we are watching. This, I am. I'm going to watch the is, heck out of this. Yeah, if you ever, um, if you ever read or watched an adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel uh, yep. Dracula, this is that story. And it was funny because I listened to an audiobook, uh, um not dramatization but it was an audiobook version of the novel dracula but with different actors voicing the different um characters um i think tim curry was in it and uh some other well-known um actors and what was funny about that to me was that i recognized the some of the events and the character names from this mel brooks movie because it's the only I've mm. never seen a straight adaptation of that novel. Um, this one is, of course, comedy. Yeah, no. So I'm a little upset with you right now. Okay. <laughs> that you didn't recognize. So we had a, a game night, listeners, uh, last night. It's our Tuesday virtual mm. game night, as we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, and I am a little upset that you did not bring that to a general movie viewing night because that feels like a film we should be watching with a bunch of friends it was uh, it was probably on our list when we used to do movie nights during the um lockdowns and we just didn't get to it because we had way too many movies oh yeah well this is our alternate monday so i'm a little late but i'm, I'm gonna see if i can't try and wrangle a couple people to watch this film uh, online this would be a, a good thing to watch we get camping this weekend too though so oh man yeah this feels like a good uh, communal viewing film. Group group watching, yeah. And yeah, yeah. all right, I, so I'm I, good choice. I guarantee Dennis. you, Pat has seen it. Oh yes, sure. Oh man, watching with Pat would be great. Uh, all right, so uh, Dracula, dead and loving it. Good choice, Dennis. I'm glad that I put my vote in, but you chose a better film, and I agree. Well, <laughs> well done. Dracula, dead and loving it. Next week, uh, listeners, watch that one and come back and uh, disagree or agree with yeah. us. Hear, hear us talk about it alright we should probably save Taskmaster for next week because we're oh I hate you so much because we are at thir- we are 30 minutes and I have so much to watch I've so binged Taskmaster hey real quick before we go so anyone wants to watch that next week what is Taskmaster what are we even talking about here okay so Taskmaster is a British reality show uh, British show so that, that has a lot of loaded stuff when you say British like the Great yes. British Bake um, Off and- if if you if you didn't skip past the segment on um, 
Abbott and Costello movie, uh, we talked. I talked a little bit about the difference between British and American comedy. Uh, the premise of this show is the host, Greg Davies, um, brings five contestants who are working comedians, uh, mostly yep. English, though it's there are like I think there's, there's a Canadian girl in series season two, at least. Yeah, of this. Yeah, there's a Canadian in season two. Um, anyway, working comedians and has them perform tasks. Uh, the first thing they have to do is bring something based on a specified criteria, like your most cherished per- possession or, you know, bring your your perfect dinner party guest. Right, right. Yep. Um, and then those things that they bring are the prize at the end. I think it's mostly like cherry soap because they're all... Which they also get scored upon. Celebrities already. And um, the host judges them. You know, he judges the their master. items based on whatever. And then and then they, in the preceding months, have done these different challenges, some of which take several days. Um, and then yeah. film crews phone. They find out what it is. They each have to do it, usually separately. And then they show video clips of them doing those tasks. And then the host judges them, judges them on Judge. those tasks. And gives them a score. It's sometimes a there's a concrete... Uh, element of like you got to throw something the farthest and so there's that part of it but then they'll look at like oh this person got the farthest but they cheated um well but that's completely at the subjective nature of the the taskmaster right there's just there's just the one host one judge everything is completely subjective in the same way as like you play apples to apples um Because there's it's a, a comedy. It's a comedy. Because show, it's right? a comedy. He's he's a comedian. They are all comedians. Even the the like straight man. Uh, so good, Alan. Le- Alan, Le- you're say Alan. He's the best. Alan um, is also incredibly funny. There's all this banter and and jabs like between the hosts, the contestants, the contestants and each other. Um, right. Funny things they do. They'll show a clip and they're like. Oh, the thing, and they're like, it's funny you mentioned that, because let's look at this when they see that he actually did break the crust on the pie, or whatever. <laughs> and, right. yeah, there's so much I could say about it, but that's the premise. Um, I will say, my interjection is that it is very British, and it's, it's British humor, and yes. and just go just go into that. Which, just, I, just like I was saying, there's a, there's a lot of, like, meanness between each other between the contestants um and yeah it's it's great i've i've seen three four episodes now and laughed out loud at least at least once every episode right right and 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 it's not it's not a put down when i say to to clarify it not that it's not the british humor is is a thing you have to prepare for what i mean by that is that just realize it's a little different Uh, often i i tend to think of british humor as a slow burn it's something that you need to watch it's there's these are hour ish long episodes Uh, it's and that's perfect for british humor in my opinion because uh, they're not things that say generally speaking british humor isn't something that like right off hits and hits and hits and goes and goes and goes and and, and you're crying all the way through it's this kind of long slow burn you get uh, acclimated to the characters and the people and they're funny that's how the british office kind of is and that's mm-hmm. this this show as well um in the first 10 minutes you may not get what dennis and i are watching if you watch the whole hour i think you'll start to um 
So we're going to talk about it next week. The Taskmaster. Uh, watch a couple episodes. Uh, I, uh, a fair warning, uh, I have burned through two seasons already, which is <laughs> stupid. It's a s- series. It's a British show, so they're six-episode series. Right. The, That's still 12 started, freaking episodes. started like, <laughs> like five years ago. And they have like fifteen series. <laughs> so dumb, so dumb. The British are so dumb. Uh, so yeah. I, uh, anyway, it's that easy to just kind of go on from one. And because the British humor is these kind of long, slow burn kind of jokes or uh, characters, that makes it want to roll into the next and roll into the next and makes sure. these kind of series beloved. So all right, next week let's talk about that and several other topics. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 318. Oof, Thanks as always nice. to our friends at LRM Online. You can check yep. them out for reviews on things. If you would like to reach out to us and tell us your favorite Abbott and Costello film, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, where we have contact forms and show notes where relevant. I don't think we have any this week. Um... What else? If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a review, positive review, <laughs> we always appreciate that. <laughs> it helps us out a lot with those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Bye.